Welcome to Adult Fluent. I'm Kizzy, your host. Some say being an adult is like folding a fitted sheet, trying to make sense and order out of something that wasn't meant to be perfectly folded. The goal of the Adult Fluent podcast is to make your learning curve of life easier so you can become adult fluent and not only fold that sheet, but breathe easy knowing you don't have to have all of the answers because no one does. So you are in luck. Our guests include those who have appeared on Tiwa Gary V, an Ivy League professor who started out as a rapper, a podcaster with over 3.5 million downloads a month, a successful movie actor, TikTok influencers with 1 million plus followers, those who've battled depression and won, and real estate investors with tips to create a real estate portfolio from nothing and more. If you'd like to learn how to become adult fluent from real people with real stories and with real tips, you're in the right place. Otherwise, you might as well stick around because you've come this far. Let's get started with the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our newest episode of Adult Fluent with the one and the only Mr. House Plant. So excited to have you here. Mr. House Plant, for those of you that may be unaware, is just the master on TikTok all about house plants and not just like about plants, but the way that he talks about it and he educates you and his just creativity just draws you in. Like, I don't know about you, but while after watching his content, I just like want to have a greenhouse like next to where I live. And so welcome so much, Fladden. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It, this is really amazing. And I'm really happy to be here and be able to talk to you about plants. Yay! Well, we're excited to learn because, you know, where did this idea come from? This whole like Mr. Houseplant posting on TikTok, like, where did it come from? So it all started about four years ago when I moved to the US. So I played the green card lottery. I'm originally from Serbia. Eastern Europe, and I played the green card lottery. I won, and I decided to come to the U.S., see what it's like. And I have been working with plants in Serbia for many years. And when I moved to the U.S., I noticed that, you know, people love house plants. It's a huge market. They're making jungles out of their apartments. But I also noticed that a lot of people don't know the basics of house plant care. So, you know, they buy a lot of plants. A lot of those plants die. And I just started you know sharing some of my advice on uh, instagram um i used to have a carnivorous plant business in serbia for a couple of years i used to grow those adorable little venus fly traps actually i have one here i mean the listeners won't be able to see this but it's adorable so i used to grow these guys for several years i had hundreds of venus fly traps so i just thought it would be beneficial for people to you know hear about some of my experiences and learn something and I was doing my nine to five job. I was working on Instagram after five. And over time, my account just started growing. People loved it. And, you know, it just exploded to, I just couldn't believe it. Like right now, I have almost half a million followers on different platforms. And it just, you know, a lot of exciting things came out of all that. But yeah, that's, that's how the story started. Wow. I mean, that is amazing because it's clear that your start resonated because of passion, right? You have this passion. And, you know, I'm curious about these mistakes because I know I have a plant. I don't even know what this plant is, but I keep 
bringing it back to life. But so what are those common like mistakes that we make as owners of house plants? So the first mistake when people go to the plant shop to buy a plant, they ask, how often should I water this? <laughs> Instead of asking, how much light does this plant need? So that, that's the first mistake. And we've been taught to look at house plants in a wrong way for decades. And you know, obviously it takes time to correct that. So the most common mistake is thinking about watering instead of thinking about light. You know, when you bring a plant home, you need to put it in front of your brightest window and not in a corner, 20 feet away from the windows, just because it looks like it looks nice over there. Plants need light. I always say light is plant food. And plants need light to photosynthesize, they need light to survive, and they need light to thrive. So that's the most common mistake. What else? People often buy pots without drainage holes. Even though it's possible to successfully grow plants in a pot without a drainage hole, it's just not something I would recommend to beginners. It just makes the whole process so much easier if there is a hole and all the excess water can go out so the plants don't drown and you know the roots don't rot. What else? Another mistake is that people often think that more water is better. So that, that is a very common thing. So a lot of new owners they just keep watering their plants every day because they think, you know, this will be beneficial. When in fact, you know, it just leads to the roots rotting eventually. I know I'm that person where I'm like, oh, it just needs more water. And then I'm like, oh gosh, the plant's turning brown. So what about, because I know a couple of my plants, they don't have the drainage holes at the bottom. I mean, it's in a cute little kind of little vase there and our planter it's beautiful but so what do we do in in that kind of situation so you have a couple of options you can either keep your plant in its original plastic pot and just put it in a beautiful ceramic pot and then when it's time to water you take the plastic pot out water it let it drain and then put it back in that's one option another option is you can very easily drill holes in those planters you can get diamond drill bit and just uh, drill a hole it's super easy it takes a minute and you know you, then you just keep the beautiful planter i'm taking notes so then i can okay because okay. this is a great suggestion because it's you know we get so focused on the pot and the placement of it and adding to the we look at it from the perspective of decoration exactly yes a lot of people look at plants as decoration it, they look at them as very replaceable which you know is okay for some people for others it's not i like to keep them alive for as long as it's possible <laughs> and i like to give them you know the best possible conditions but you know i also understand that we're all different we have different schedules different lives busy schedules so you know not everyone can keep plants alive forever and that is okay that is okay that is also, I think, another thing that I would like all the plant parents out there to, you know, take away maybe from our conversation, just to try and stress less about plants, because we have all had to kill a lot of plants before we learned how to take care of them. Like, that is inevitable. People think that when they see someone on Instagram with a lot of plants, they think, like, they've always known how to do it. But that's not the truth. Like, when I had my carnivorous plant business, I had to kill hundreds of plants before I actually learned what to do and how to do it properly and how to, you know, take care of pests and diseases and all the other things that come with plants. So it's just a, you know, learning process and we should try to enjoy it as much as we can, you know, 
enjoy the process, not the destination. So. And that's such good advice because I think we get caught up in like, oh no, I killed the plant. I don't have a green thumb. And we start to just kind of doubt. And so it's so helpful to know that you went through this experience of, you know, killing houseplants because it's part of that journey. And you mentioned something, you talked about like insects and pests. Is that a big issue with houseplants? No, I mean, it's not that big of an issue. I don't want to scare people who are just thinking about starting with plants. It's not that big of an issue. And there are relatively easy methods to to get rid of pests and diseases. But I mean, they don't happen that often. And as I said, I mean, the methods are easy to learn and there are like more natural methods or more synthetic with different chemicals, but it's all very manageable. And I just want to mention that all of the pests, when I talk about pests, they're tiny pests. Most of them are very difficult to see with an AKI. Because I've had questions from people who said, oh my God, I don't have plants because am I going to have cockroaches or some big bugs? Like, no, no, and pests are very tiny. You're not going to see them at all. Oh, wow. I mean, it's good to know that the plants aren't going to lead to big, you know, rodents or insects, but also the fact that they're so tiny. I mean, I guess if you want to break out a microscope or something. Actually, yeah, that is a great suggestion. I mean, I do often recommend people to get like a macro lens, something they can attach to their phones or a mini microscope because it does help you identify the pests and so you can find them more easily. Oh my gosh. Okay, listeners, this is definitely a challenge. I think I want to do this. I'm a little scared of what I'm going to see in there, but I think that's that's, that's so good because you can easily put it on your phone or there's got to be something you can get on Amazon or wherever you like to shop. So you can really see that because we wouldn't know. You just know it's maybe green and then it's no longer green. (laughs) We don't really know why. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my gosh. Is there a particular plant that people should start with or is that based more on where they live? Yes, I would say that there are a few plants that are easier to take care of and they require less time and effort. So There are definitely plants that I would recommend for beginners. And some of them are, for example, snake plants that everyone has heard of, everyone knows. Then ZZ plants, Pothos, Harpilodendron, those would be a few. I would say a lot of people start with succulents because they hear that succulents are easy. And that's a big mistake. Succulents are not easy. They don't need a lot of water. That is true. So, you know, you can water them very rarely. So if you're busy, if you're traveling a lot, that's great. But succulents require a lot of light and a lot of direct sun. So that is why they're not really recommended for beginners. And all of the plants that I have mentioned, like snake plants, easy plants, pothos, heartlitilodendron, they can tolerate very low levels of light. So even if you, you know, buy them and put them in a corner, they will survive or they will die very, very slowly. So they are the easiest plants to start with. Wow. I had no idea about succulents because it's, they've become this staple in your, you know, at home office, your, if you've, you know, transitioned back to the workplace in your office, in your background, if you create content, they're like everywhere. I think I've even seen them like hanging and they're like all over. And there's no way that people have that much sun. Where yeah, the thing with succulents is that Even if you don't provide them with a lot of light, they die very, very slowly. So as long as you don't overwater them, they can survive for months, even years. 
they may not look very happy, but they can survive. <laughs> yeah, plants are amazing. Like the, the amount of neglect that some plants can tolerate, it's just unbelievable. So, you know, we talked about the neglect and it's evident, you know, I'm very, very guilty of that. What about talking to them and giving them some attention and love? Like, does that really work? Or is that just like a superstition? So I'm a scientific guy. Like I like to have bases in science for everything that I talk about when it comes to plants. So I haven't seen reliable studies that show that something like that actually benefits the plants. But I think it's very beneficial for the plant owners. And that is also very important. So if that makes people happy, you know, spending time with their plants, talking to their plants, I think that's something they should definitely continue doing. Because, I mean, that's one of the main benefits of having plants. You know, they help with our mental health. They reduce anxiety. They reduce stress levels. And I think talking to plants uh, definitely helps with that. Yeah, I, I appreciate knowing that because... I know I personally, I talk to my plants. I have a money tree and a pony plant. And so I talk to them and they're so pretty. And <laughs> I just, it's nice. It's just something therapeutic. Like you said, like we've all had those encounters of just being anxious or maybe you're a little sad or there's just something going on in your life. And so it brings some joy to be able to engage with a plant. Absolutely. And I mean, a lot of people give them names. In my case, I have too many plants. I wouldn't be able to remember all the names. But yeah, that's also a thing. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah, names. I don't know. Now I'm curious what kind of names people have for plants. Was this something that you were you always into plants when you were like a small child? That's interesting. I wasn't. No. Even though my family was always into plants, you know, my mom and my brother, they always had a bunch of plants. So our kitchen and our terrace, they were always full of plants. But I don't know. I think it's like that with most people. Like when we're kids, kids naturally love plants. They love nature. Then as we grow up, we get so from nature, we completely forget about it. And then some of us, at, you know, later stages in life, we, you know, tend to go back to nature and that's what happened to me somewhere around the end of my 20s. That's where I started getting an interest in, in plants. And I don't know, it started with just me trying to improve the look of my neighborhood. You know, so I started planting flowers and roses and trees just in my neighborhood. And I developed a beautiful lawn around the, our building. And it all started from there. And then I moved on to houseplants. And then I got my first vegan flytrap as a gift, which I absolutely fell in love with. And that's how I started my, you know, carnivorous plant business. And then I played the green car lottery and had the opportunity to come to the U.S. and really develop my passion for plants into something much, much bigger. Which is evident with you, through your passion, through your impact on social media. And so tell us what about the Venus flytrap did you fall in love with? I mean, they are just, how many plants do you have that actually react to your touch? That is the thing that amazes me. How many plants do you have that actually close like this when you touch them? It's amazing. Like It's a very unique plant. It's very, you know, looks very delicate, but it actually captures insects and kills them. Like, that is amazing. How can something so delicate be so deadly? 
you know. Right. It's a fascinating plant. Is it a plant that more people should have? Because I feel like it's kind of pitched as this like bad plant. Like it's like Venus flytrap, like the black plant of plants, you know, like this negative plant. So like, but it's clearly it's beautiful. He just showed it and, and his and it closed when he touched it. It's, it's beautiful. And it's actually it's much smaller than what I would have imagined. It's something tiny where you could have it like literally next to your laptop and it would really complement it. So is this a plant that more people should consider getting? I think probably have people have a different idea of this plant because of the movie from the 60s, I think, The Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. So they think that these are huge plants, but they're actually very tiny. They are a little bit on the difficult side, I have to say. So I wouldn't recommend them to uh, people who don't have a decent amount of experience with houseplants. Like you should first learn to take care of all the basic plants and maybe some a little bit more advanced before moving on to a Venus flytrap because it has a lot of specificities. Like it needs a different type of soil. It needs different type of water. It needs winter hibernation. So it needs cold temperatures during winter. So if you live in, you know, California or Florida, that might be difficult. So you might need to keep it in the fridge during winter. Yeah, in the fridge, keeping plants in the fridge. <laughs> How cool is that? Well, you got to say that again, because I'm still, so because it the Venus flytrap hibernates, and if you live in a warm state, you should do what with the plant during winter? During winter, you should keep it in the fridge. But it's a little bit more complex procedure, probably too long to go into details right now. You don't just take the plant and put it in the fridge. There is some preparation that needs to be done. But basically, yes, it needs to spend uh, two, three months in the fridge, emulating winter, emulating colder temperatures. So the plant can rest. It stops growing. It loses a lot of the leaves. And basically what it does, it, it accumulates energy for the next season. It rests for the next season. So when you take it out of the fridge, it can again, you know, explode with new growth and develop. Wow. That is fascinating. And you also mentioned special water. Like what kind of water? It needs distilled water or rainwater. So if we use tap water, tap water is full of minerals. And these plants, they live in areas that don't really have a lot of minerals in soil. And they only get rainwater, which is without minerals. So the tap water will slowly kill them in a matter of couple of weeks, couple of months, depends on the tap water. But so you have to use either rainwater, which not a lot of people can collect, or you buy distilled water. That's another option. And does this apply to all house plants? Like should we use distilled water or rainwater or is it does it vary on the type of plant? Generally there are a few plants that are more sensitive to tap water. So most plants will be just fine with using tap water. There are a few plants like Dracaenas or Calatheas that are sensitive to tap water. But even in those cases, I would say still use tap water and just learn to be okay with little imperfections on your plant. That is much better than stressing about, you know, purchasing gallons of water and then stressing about every little blemish that you see on the leaf. You know, plants never look perfect in nature. So why would they be perfect in our homes? If you ever go to a botanical garden, take a look at the plants there. You know, they're under professional care and they always have brown tips, brown edges, yellow leaves. When you go to a rainforest, you will see the same thing. 
and plus over there you know you will have animals that are eating on the plants or people that are stepping and breaking them so there are all sorts of different conditions there i mean they are so sheltered in our homes they actually have much they're much more protected in our homes so there is really no reason to stress about minor imperfections you know just take a step back like take a few steps back and if your plant looks great from five feet away that's all you need wow that's fantastic advice because i know i get so caught up where my pony plant like sometimes the little leaves turn brown and i'm like oh no but i mean so i feel like i'm doing something wrong not really i mean there are a few things that you should watch for for example if your plant loses a bunch of leaves in a very short amount of time then you should look into you know whether something is wrong but most plants will drop all the leaves as they grow new leaves you know that's fine most plants will have a couple of yellowing leaves they will die off new leaves will grow and that is perfectly fine so as i said just you know if something drastic is happening in a short period of time then perhaps you should look into it but for the most part things like brown leaf tips or some brown edges that is usually not an issue okay that's really good to know and what about soil? Because you shared about light, the importance of light, and that we shouldn't focus on how much water doesn't need, but we have to really pay attention to light. We talked about kind of distilled tap water. And how about soil? What do we do when it comes to soil? Yeah, soil, that's an excellent topic. When it comes to soil, I would always recommend amending potting mixes that we buy in shops. Because all of those potting mixes, they're usually made for nurseries. And nurseries have very different conditions from our homes. Nurseries are usually built from, you know, glass or plastic, and they have an insane amount of light. They have 50 times more light than we get in our homes. So they need soil that will retain a lot of water so that those plants, you know, don't dry out and die. But when you take a plant and bring it inside, you know, your home, you only have one window on one side. So it's like your plant is living in a cave and you don't really see a lot of plants growing in caves, right? right? And there's a reason for that. There is no light. So that is why we have to amend all of these potting mixes and add things like perlite or pumice or bark just to make the mixes retain less water and to make them more oxygenated. Because oxygen is very important for roots. Roots actually absorb oxygen and they release carbon dioxide. They breathe. So when you amend the potting mix with the chunkier things like bark or uh, coarser pumice or, or perlite, you're actually providing oxygen for these roots. And where does one go to get those types of things? You can either order from Amazon, you can buy from plant shops, you can buy in hardware stores, you can buy in uh, big stores like Home Depot or Walmart, a lot of places. That's really good to know because I know my go-to has always been getting some brand of soil that seems to resonate with me and put it in there. So that's really, I mean, gosh, that's really helpful because it seems, I don't know, I think like it's so easy to just neglect them and think you just add more water. And the tips that you have provided so far, like they make sense and they're easy. Yeah, I truly believe, I mean, houseplant care is easy. It just takes a little bit of time to figure those basic things out, but it, it's really easy. Is there, when you think about all of the people who have been in contact with you, through TikTok, 
Instagram, is there a particular question or comment that all the time, regardless of your video, regardless of the time of the month, it's like one of the number one, number two comments or questions that people present to you? The number one question is what is wrong with my plant? (laughs) That is the number one question. I get a bunch of photos and what is wrong with my plant? Which is not, it's not really that easy. It's, it's usually not a very straightforward answer because people often Google, like, what do yellow leaves on a snake plant mean? Or what do brown tips on a spider plant mean? And very often, it's not a very straightforward answer because it depends on a lot of different things. So, for example, if you have brown leaf on a pilea plant, that can mean a lot of things. The plant can be underwatered, it can be overwatered, it might be over-fertilized. So there are a lot of things that could be the issue. And that usually requires, you know, getting a lot more information from people and learning more about the conditions the plant is in and learning more about the care. So just troubleshooting a plant, if you want it done properly, it takes a little bit more time. So, but that is the most common question I get, which is usually impossible to answer in one message. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, just from what you shared thus far, it's not a simple, here's a diagnosis, moving on to the next one. How about, has there ever, like, what's the most like weird thing maybe people have said to you or they're like, this works, I I promise you. And you're just like, oh yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to do things when it comes to houseplants. So I do get messages from people saying, you know, you shouldn't done this, you shouldn't do this in such a way, do it like this, this is better. But the truth is when it comes to houseplants, there isn't always just one right answer. You can deal with different issues in different ways. And that's another thing that I like about houseplant care that it, it can be flexible. You know, it's not always black and white, right or wrong. There are different ways to grow a plant successfully. And I would, I would say that's got to be reassuring for many that are listening because we think like there's got to be a formula. We're going on Google. We're watching your content to find like the answer to keeping our house plants alive, but it varies. And I think that's really good to know because, you know, and not only it varies, but also based on where you live and, you know, the where and the kind of place where you live. If you live in a place where you have like one window or you don't really see the sun because of the way that the sun rises or sets and and so it all has an impact yes and i would also say it's very important for people to find reliable sources of information because most of us we just tend to google something and then go to the you know first website and see what it says but when it comes to houseplant care if you visit three websites, you will read three different pieces of information on the same topic. So that really doesn't help. And they're not necessarily wrong. All of them could be right, but for their specific conditions, for their specific environment. So I would say just either look for information from universities and agricultural extensions because they have people who have studied this and who know what they're talking about. Or if you are looking at information from, you know, influencers or any you know, other people online, just look at people who have had the same plants for a long time. So, you know, they haven't just bought them yesterday and now they're posting about them, but, you know, they were able to keep them alive for a year or for two years or for five years. Then, you know, obviously they know they're doing something right. And then it makes sense to see what they have to say. I mean, that's such great advice to check out the websites of university or those that are, you know, experts based on their credentials And not just to base it on there's your favorite influencer with a pretty plant, but those 
like yourself that are experts. You know, I can't stress enough that everyone listening, you got to follow Mr. Houseplant on TikTok and Instagram because not only is the content informative, but it's also just so entertaining. It's so great how you present it. Oh, thank you. You're going to make me blush. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, you know, it happens and it's okay. Well, I want to move us to one of my favorite segments. I'm going to grab the fishbowl with no fish. For the mysterious question, the random question in the fishbowl with no fish. Oh my God, is this going to be difficult? No, it wasn't difficult at all. This is very fun. I'm going to grab a few here. I have them. Got the good old fishbowl. Uh, ooh, I have rocks coming out of the fishbowl. This fishbowl has been hanging out too long by itself. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. What is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Does it have to be related to houseplants? No, it would be related to anything. My biggest failure. Wow. Cool. Okay, that's tough. I don't want to say that I haven't had any failures because I'm sure I've had a lot of them. Hard to pick a specific one. I'm sorry. That's okay because, you know, the thing is when the cool thing about failure is I think it's like that lens that's put on it in that, you know, like there have been things that I've done in my life where... At the time, I may not have viewed them as a failure or thought it was a failure. And then looking back, I was like, oh, my God, I failed. And like, I didn't really realize in the moment it didn't come across as something like that. And I just didn't know. Like there were some things come to mind. So it's by all means, it's a good one. Yeah, I I think the reason why it's difficult for me to think of a specific failure and what I've learned from it, because probably because of my life philosophy which is i try not to look at failures as failures because i do think that you know things happen for a reason and even if something doesn't work out your way i do think there is a reason why that happened and i try to learn something from it so i don't really have anything like engraved in my mind as a big failure because for me those are all learning opportunities you know, things happened, it didn't go my way. But a few months later, I always see there was a reason for that. And it was good that it happened that way, because it opened up other opportunities, or it helped me develop and learn more about myself and change myself, improve myself. So not a specific failure that I can tell tell you about. No, but that's great, because it shows the optimism and to make it positive, because it does happen. There are many times when like, a pitfall or something doesn't go our way. And maybe in the moment, it's like, well, why? And then you realize like, oh, this is why open up more doors or that person wasn't meant to be in my life or, oh my gosh, this has now led to a completely new opportunity. I think it's great to look at it in that sense. Yeah. And I mean, I just remember the couple of things like when I started developing all of my social media accounts, you know, different opportunities started coming my way. And I didn't accept some of them. Some of them didn't quite work out. And I always kept thinking, oh, my God, I was always beating myself up. Why did this fail? Maybe I should have done better. Maybe I could have made it work. But then after each of those opportunities, an even bigger opportunity came along. So it's never, you know, a matter of life and death and you know i realized that all of those opportunities that failed they just paved the way for the next one that's coming along that's so powerful because it does i mean because you we don't know what's to come and it's easy to get caught up in like oh my gosh and then you're like oh wow this is what was meant to happen and it turns exactly 
joy. Exactly. So exciting. I have one. This one is a good one. This is an easy one. I have one final question for you. What is your favorite food? Chocolate. Can I say that? I mean, it is food, right? Yeah, it is. What kind of chocolate? Like, are you dark chocolate, milk chocolate with nuts and berries in it? Like, what? tell me. Just plain milk chocolate. Just plain. Not a fan of dark chocolate. I adore milk chocolate. I even used to make my own chocolate from scratch. Yeah, it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult, yeah. When I moved to the U.S., I spent the first three months living in a hostel, and I would make my own chocolate every week. And it was like everyone was amazed. It was like a spectacle, you know, in the kitchen, like someone making chocolate from scratch. But that's definitely my most favorite food. I want to see a pairing of chocolate and something around houseplants. I just know that. I need to know. I need to see both because I am such a chocolate addict that I don't really eat it because I have no control. And I can only imagine, like I can smell it. Like as soon as you talk about it, I could smell it. I put myself in that hostel. I would have like tried to become your closest friend so I could get free milk chocolate from you. (laughs) So I think that's lovely. Yeah, I made chocolate with strawberries. That's a great combo. Chocolate with strawberries. You can do chocolate with mint chocolate with oranges that is also excellent pineapple interesting i haven't tried that oh that's so good i love that i do i love it i love it so much because i'm like a big cookie person but i love that oh my goodness wow i may have to get some chocolate after we conclude here yeah unfortunately i ate all of my chocolate so i just finished also a jar of nutella oh nutella is so tasty Oh, yeah, it, is. <laughs> it totally is. Well, I cannot thank you enough, Mr. Houseplant, for being a guest and sharing all these wonderful tips with our listeners because we really want our houseplants to survive. And, you know, share with everyone your handles, where they can find you. You need to follow him. Please share with the audience. Yes. So people can find me almost everywhere Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Twitter, YouTube, on most of those platforms. My username is Mr. Houseplant, MR Houseplant. Instagram is the only one that's different, but if you just do a search for MR Houseplant, I will pop up as the first one. Okay. Well, excellent. So please, everyone follow him. Cannot thank you enough and definitely have a glorious day. Imagine that after everyone listens to this, there's going to be many, many houseplants that will want to thank you because they will receive much more attention. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. And yeah, you also have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Adult Fluent Podcast, hosted by me, Kizzy. Thanks to our special guests for sharing their story as I know you found it valuable. Help us to continue to share our message by practicing SRS, which stands for subscribe to the Adult Fluent Podcast, review an episode, and share Adult Fluent with at least two of your friends or two people you kind of like. By subscribing to the Adult Fluent Podcast, you will receive the latest episode to keep you inspired and adult fluent. Until next time, remember everything is possible.